on today's mass murder in the capital city. Here is KTBC television news editor, Neil Spells. One of history's worst mass murders occurred here in Austin today. By official count tonight, 49 persons were hit by gunfire. There are 16 dead and 33 injured. It started last night when a man reportedly killed his wife and his mother. That same man apparently rounded up an arsenal and supplies this morning and then went to the observation deck of the University of Texas Tower. It was then that terror rained down from the tower. Sirens screamed for the 90 minutes that the gun battle was in progress. It was hot, past 90 degrees on the ground, probably much hotter, high atop the tower with the sun ricocheting off the limestone with the same intensity as the police bullets. You're listening to The Sill Podcast, perspectives on art and technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 112, Transcendent Tunes, Harry Chapin's Shot to the Heart. The 70s, we were young things in our 20s in those years, teens, 20s. We started university around the same time that Chapin started his musical career. Yeah, Harry Chapin got really going in the early 70s. His first two albums released in 1972. Right. One was called Heads and Tails. Yep. And the other was called Sniper, from which our transcendent tune is being drawn this time around. It really put him on the charts big time. Yeah, he came right out of the blocks. First album he made, he big sold giant, over a million units. Yeah, and there was a big Sorry. giant uh, bidding war among the music producers to get him signed. One by Electro Records, Records yeah. who gave him this jimungus contract with lots of free recording time and perks, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he had a 10-year career, unfortunately dying young. Age of 39, 1981. Wow. Yeah. Tragically, too. Terrible car accident, mm-hmm. car bursting into flames and just horrifying, horrifying stuff. Although apparently he did not die of that. He died from a lacerated aorta. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, strange. I think there's still some question marks around what happened because apparently his car suddenly slowed down, mm-hmm. implying either technical malfunction or some problem physically that he was having. Right. And then the car swerved into the other lane and hit and, by this truck. He moved left and then back right and a truck from behind actually ran over his car. Over the car. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. So tragedy. Uh, he was a well-loved folk pop artist, you could call him, I guess. Extremely well-liked, yes. You know, and died young, just like some of his other ilk, like Jim Croce, for example. Who mm-hmm. was, also who was playing popular. at the same time, actually. Yeah, yeah, around the same time. Early early to mid-70s. Yeah, and died young. Mm-hmm. This is after Hendrix and Joplin and those guys died. Uh, Jim Morrison would be in that group, yep. I guess, and later on, Kurt Cobain. They all died at 27, which is 12 years younger than Chapin. Yeah, sad, because you think the potential that was there Mm -hmm. to be creative for another 20, 30 years had he lived. I don't know if you recall those years, but I know that a lot of the guys that I went to school with really took to him and his music. 
Yeah. Oh, I did big time. I was a big fan. In fact, when he came to Toronto, to Ontario Place, the Forum, which was a revolving stage, went around and around, 360 degrees through the course of the concert. Uh, I went to see Harry Chapin there in 1977 Mm. in June. And uh, I remember that Leon Redbone opened for him. And because Harry might have been delayed a little bit, Leon Redbone kept playing. And at a certain point... People started to get, get impatient. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we want Harry, and they started to boo. And poor Leon, who was a brilliant musician. Yeah, he was. Who died this year. Yeah, May of this year. May, yeah. yeah. He was essentially booed off the stage, like get off the stage, unfortunately. But that's a side story. But mm. brilliant concert. And, and Harry Chapin, his live concerts were every bit as tight and professional. Well, you can say from experience, I never attended any of his uh, performances. Yeah, yeah. as his recordings. Yeah, just incredible. Incredible. For me, actually, even though we're doing this song, for me, the big song was Cats in the Cradle. Yeah, that kind of really long, well, Taxi launched in a way first in Mm -hmm. his Heads and Tails album. That made him big. He went on to the Johnny Carson show. That's right. And uh, performed it. And there was such a clamor. Such a reaction that he actually ended up playing yeah. the next night. They, asked, they called him back on the Johnny Carson That's show the next un- night. unheard of yeah. stuff. Um, then Sniper came out as the second album in 1972 mm-hmm. after Heads and Tails and it had the, uh, what's the song? Cats in the Cradle. No, Good. Cats in the Cradle no. didn't come out until 1974. Oh, 74, sorry. Right. But it had this song Sniper yep. and All My Life's a Circle, A Better Place to Be. Just great, great Story songs. And, right? you know, we're doing this song, but honestly, do you remember Sniper getting the same kind of attention that Cats in the Cradle got? Uh, absolutely not, because right. it's Too ten, long. Mi- 10 minutes long. Right. No radio station played it that right. I was ever aware of. I discovered it when I bought the album, Sniper and Other Stories, and I listened to that song and I went, oh my God, this is epic. Transcendent tune, right? Yeah, it just came to me that that song is extremely powerful not just in the words and in the music, but in the message, the point of view, taking the point of view of a sniper, a mass murderer. Speaking of which, why don't you highlight some of the lyrics? Well, before I get to that, okay. let's just go back to what inspired this transcendent tune. The 1966 horrific mass killing. Yeah, University of Texas at Austin. Right. Uh, otherwise known as the Tower Killings. Uh, this fellow, Charles Whitman, who was a former Marine... Mm-hmm. gathers up all these weapons, uh, goes up to the top of the tower. Now, before, let's preface that, <laughs> that the night prior to this, he stabs his wife and his mother to death. That's right. The next morning, he goes up this tower on the campus at U of Texas, and he starts firing 90 minutes worth of shooting all of these people. How many died He killed 17 people. A 15th died in 2001 as a result of complications from being shot back then. So in total, you could say 17 people. It was the biggest mass shooting in US history up to that point. And because it happened so quickly, they didn't even realize of the people that died before the mass shooting. Exactly. Mm. And the other interesting thing is people talked about Charles Whitman as this insane cracked evil person. Psychopath. It turns out when they did the autopsy, because he was killed by a policeman and a civilian on that day, Mm -hmm. when they did the autopsy, they discovered that he had a brain tumor, a mega brain tumor that had to have affected his whole psyche and thinking and feeling. And that that might've played a huge role 
in what had happened. And so in some ways, Harry Chapin, inspired by that, writes a song from the point of view of the sniper. Sniper, yeah. And you get a sense from the song of this kind of, you almost want to feel for this character. Yeah, it's empathic. Very empathic. Because yeah. He jumps back and forth in time in the song mm -hmm. to the character's past, his mother talking, his friends talking about how dunce he was. I, mm -hmm. I, I only dated him once and his mother mistreated him and stuff. In fact, during a live performance, he explained to the audience members... Oh, yeah. That although he would never consider doing that himself, there was a part of him that kind of would understand or had some connection some to empathy. some empathy and would understand some of the perhaps reasoning behind it. It was interesting to hear, as you said, coming from the perpetrator's perspective versus the victim. Yeah. And he also made clear in some of his interviews that these weren't direct translations from the event to the song. Mm -hmm. He really interpreted the event. From an emotional and, level. Yeah, and made it his own in that way. So his portrait of this person in the song, the sniper, is not a portrait of Charles Whitman directly. Right. It's a kind of a type, if you like. And it's a bit controversial in a way because he focuses on the mass killer yes. and gives him a kind of a sympathetic light. And you sort of think, well... Is that kosher? Like, should you really focus on the murderer? Yeah, so and he even takes the to the level of the actual conversation translation. Yeah. The bullets are speaking. Yeah, he's having a conversation with the world, with humanity. And, you know, his big question that comes up, and we are actually going to listen to this song and talk through it mm -hmm. and point out where he kind of asks these questions through his bullets it's fascinating to me. So this is Sniper mm. by Harry Chapin from the album Sniper. Right. It's an album I wore out as a 20-something. Big fan of Harry Chapin. I saw him uh, in person uh, at Ontario Forum many, many oh. years ago. Okay. And he's well known for Cat's Cradle and the Taxi Song. Mm -hmm. Those were his two big hits, really. Right. And he unfortunately died young. 39. 39 in 1981, I believe mm -hmm. it was. Car accident. Yeah, terrible car accident. But a lot of people don't know this song because it's 10 minutes long. No one would play it on the radio. No, way too long for the radio. Mm -hmm. But it's an incredible tune. It's a story song, and he's famous for his story songs. Yes, he is, yeah. And it's about a guy who's a sniper who decides to go up to this tower on a campus and start blowing people away. Mm-hmm. Right. What I find interesting about the song, too, is the change-ups, instrumentally and pacing. Yeah, listen to this. Mm-hmm. changes again mm -hmm. back to the verse so mm -hmm. it's a little interlude from his past voice a voice from the past right mm -hmm. well just the, the simple act of actually mounting yourself in position to snipe people right who knows what would be going through your mind through all these processes well, exactly right? and the beautiful thing about the song is the metaphor he uses he has the sniper having a conversation with the town with mm -hmm. the world. So it's words he's going to be sending out at these people in a way, right? In a form of bullets. 
Exactly. Right? He looks at his life and what it has shown him. He looks for his shadow. It cannot be found. Can't find his shadow. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, Can't find his shadow. It's really gripping. It it's actually, powerful. Yeah, it pulls you in. Yeah. And then back to this strange... Memoir. Mm-hmm. That change of pace yeah. makes the song extremely interesting, instrumentally as well as vocally. Very layered, this mm-hmm. song, too. Okay, now. It reminds me a little bit of a day in life. Yeah, yeah. Please help me, I said, but she just this is about his mother. With the same flat stare that she saved. So gradually, you start to feel for this guy. Right? Even though he's about to take lives. Because Innocent he, lives. he's reliving his own life in the process of taking lives. Yeah. I mean, you're forced to relate to him. Mm-hmm. He loaded the shotgun. He stacked up the cartridges along the wall. And this is where the metaphor comes in. He knew he would need them for his conversation. If it went as it right. His conversation. Mm-hmm. Very strong imagery. Yeah. And then the big lines coming up. comes the question. Right now, am I? I am a lover who's never been kissed. Am I? Am I? I am a fighter. Existential question mm-hmm. that everyone has deep down. Every question has an am I response. Yeah. What am I? Who am I? What is this existence about? How do I know I exist, he says. Now the shooting. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Am I? And this was around the time, or a few years after, the Kent State shootings, right? Yeah, around the same time. I think after a little bit, but yes. His peak years were 73 to 75. Yeah. And Kent State was 1970, so it was in that time frame anyway. Yeah, I mean, it relates to a lot of mass shootings mm-hmm. in the U.S. in Riots. particular. Uh, and, you know, the psychology behind yes. it. People kind of ignore that. And here's a singer-songwriter who's bringing that out. Here it is again, back to his past. And then, here it comes. I love it. Cussive. Accents. Bullets. Like a highlighter. Yeah. The police were there in minutes. They set up barricades. He stood right on over them in a half mile circle in that dumb Almost like firing the actual shots. It is. This is totally what it is, right? Musically. Yeah. He knocked over Danny Tyson as he ran towards the noise. Just about then the ants started coming, sweet, sweet joy. Very interesting musically. And the ending that's coming up is just tears your heart out. Thirty-seven people got his message so far. Thirty-seven people. Yes, he was reaching them right where they are. Not now, she said. Not now. Not 
now. They set up an assault team. They asked for volunteers. They had to go and get him. That much was clear. And the word spread about him on the radios and TV. I love this part coming up. They asked, who can it be? There's a change up again. Jump and then back to the past again. to learn. Look, the piano, like the guitar. Has an almost I am the walrus feel. Yeah. There's a part coming up now which is just gut-wrenching. There it is. Almost makes me cry every time. It's beautiful. Mama, won't you nurse me? Bring me down the sweet milk of your kindness. Mama, it's getting worse for me. real hard-hitting thing that's happening now. It's just coming here. Yes, you have cursed me. I never will forgive you for your blindness. I hate you. Oh. Oh. I hate you? Yeah. about me, talk about me. Not now. Not now. As the captain dropped the gas, he shouted, who cares? They could hear him laughing as they started up the stairs. They stormed out on the catwalk, blinking at the sun, with their final fusillade, his answer had come. Big finish. symphonic just stunning just stunning it kills me every time i listen to that song destroys me it's so good 
And it's also interesting for the people listening who are of a later generation. Yeah. Because today we are completely preoccupied with a lot of the shootings that have been going on south of the border. Mm -hmm. We're in Canada, for those listening. Yep. And we seem immersed in this these days, this whole discussion on weaponry and shootings and gun control and so on. But this was 1966. And up until that time, that was the worst killing, was it not? Yes, it was. We've since eclipsed that. Oh, yeah. And don't forget, too, from 66 to 72, you've spanned the Vietnam War. That's right. Protest songs and a lot of uh, singer-songwriters in, in the U.S. and elsewhere were writing protest songs mm -hmm. about that and other things. And Harry Chapin was one of the most activist of singer-songwriters of his time. The counterculture. Well, counterculture, I guess you could say that. But I didn't see him as a counterculture figure so much because right. he was kind of mainstream in the way he came across. Very he, nice guy. I was you referring know. to counterculture more as the time period. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And he came across as a very lovely, very mm -hmm. friendly, warm person. And it came through in his singing, too. If you listen to his songs, many of them are story songs for one thing. So they take you along on this narrative ride, mm -hmm. like Sniper does. And his voice also had that kind of slightly rough, pebbly quality to it, which kind of gave it a kind of emotional depth, his singing. Earthy feel. Earth yeah, earthy, emotional, mm -hmm. full-bodied. And he was backed up by a couple of his brothers, Steve and Tom Chapin, a cellist, typically, mm -hmm. which really lent some weight and symphonic quality. Yes, it gave to, the music a nice blend. Yeah, the arrangements were really kind of interesting and mm -hmm. different for their time. I mean, well, who used the cello back in the 60s? Well, maybe the Beatles, the Beatles. might have. Yeah. <laughs> but other than them, not too many folks did that. He also had a, an old uh, friend named Big John Wallace, who uh, did a lot of the vocal backup and mm. a lot of the high-pitched vocal stuff. He had an incredible range, John Wallace, mm -hmm. as well. And so the whole unit together, because they knew each other for so many years, right. they really were tight, tight, tight. And you could see even the, uh, the emotional connection. You could just feel it. You could feel that energy, that softness, that togetherness. Yeah, they really, really loved each other. You could tell mm. when the band members love each other. Also, Harry Chapin, his activism was also focused at a certain point on hunger, and so he and uh, a radio personality, Bill Ayers, mm -hmm. founded World Hunger Year, which still actually exists. A lot of his work impresses me as much, if not more sometimes, than his music. Yeah. His dedication to those particular foundations. Well, yeah, and towards the later part of his career, half of his concerts, were fully benefits. half of his concerts were benefits yeah. for these kinds of charities. Mm -hmm. Generous, incredible generous uh, spirit he had in many ways. So he dies young. The epitaph on the stone reads, Yeah. Oh, if a man tried to take his time on earth and prove before he died what one man's life could be worth, I wonder what would happen to this world. Mm. It's from his song, I wonder what would happen to this world. Right. So I think his legacy really is that many, many singer-songwriters were inspired by him mm -hmm. to write these kinds of songs connected to real events and stories in their life and that sort of thing. Yeah, he was trying to make a difference. He wasn't just singing a song. Yeah, that's right. He wasn't just there to entertain necessarily, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we're also going to give you a little piece of an interview with Harry Chapin. Yeah. Where he talks about his writing and how he wrote his songs. And then we'll come back and uh, wrap this baby up. Yeah. Let's yeah, do let's it. do it right now. Okay. 
Box, box. Are all your songs about real people or people that you've known? All my songs are emotionally true, if not literally true. I uh, I believe that what I owe uh, owe to my songs is that I understand the subject I'm talking about, but not that it literally happened to me. Now, I've, uh, I've never gone on top of a tower and shot 37 people, but I think I understand... <laughs> I, I think I understand that kind of frustration. Uh, we people, even at the somewhat in the center of the society, feel, for example, very uh, feel a, a lack of effect. And you can imagine how the people in the fringes feel. So, I mean, that's an example. Taxi's about 60% true. Uh, and so I use realities I know about to set me going. And then I try to make the song true to itself. Uh, a good song is like a well-brought-up child that has its own personality. It's got reflections of the parent, but hopefully it's got enough personality and of its own that it can survive in the world on its own. So I don't try to, uh, once I write a song, I don't try to impinge my own realities to it. Hopefully it can be bigger than me and let other people in. So I try to have it have its own shape. You seem so extremely happy with what you're doing. I mean, all the time. Well, I, I think that uh, the ideal thing a man finds is, uh, is a career where the work is not always a pleasure, but he enjoys. Uh, uh, there's a line in Greyhound. It's got to be the going, not the getting there that's good. And if you don't... Uh, my theory was originally to find a career that I was willing to be bad at for a while because uh, you can't always count on everything going to the top. And, if, and I can say with a certain amount of honesty that I've written about two or 300 really horrible songs. It took 10 years of wading through those and that learning experience before anybody started paying attention to me. But uh, I enjoyed it, and uh, I've always been willing to stick my neck out and make an ass of myself, and I've done it about a million times, and I'm sure I'll do another million. But uh, the thing that you learn in life, strangely enough, is that... If you're not t willing to take all those little risks of making a fool of yourself as you go along, you're taking the biggest risk of all, and that is at age 70 or 60 or whatever, that you haven't tried all the things that you want to try. And so you're taking the risk of not having a full life. And so, uh, I, yeah, I try to smile. <laughs> Thank you. Box, box. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, there's no other singer-songwriter. Right that has ever lived that affects me the way Harry Chapin does when he sings a song. It's so powerful, so emotional that I tear up. I have to tear up. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to touch on, because we're doing the podcast on Sniper, but he had a couple of other great songs. I mean, he had many good songs, but Cats in the Cradle, which is probably the song that most people would recognize. Mm -hmm. or, yep. or do you think there's another one? Well, that one in Taxi, All My Life's a Circle. All my life's a circle, sunrise right. and sundown. The moon rolls through the nighttime till the daybreak comes around. That's a great little song. That he used to finish his uh, concerts with that song. Well, I won't sing it, but for me, it's Cats in the Cradle, Silver Spoon, Man in the Moon. <laughs> right. uh, uh, and it's a song that still, to this day, touches me. And I remember it very, very specifically going back to that song when my son was born. Yeah. There's a great song called Mr. Tanner. Yeah. About a guy who's a, a laundry service or something, and but he loves to sing. And people convince him to try to launch a career as a singer. Oh. So he goes to New York or wherever and gets himself a concert. And the reviews are scathingly bad, mm. which sends him back home, tail between his legs, back to his old job, never to sing again except in those quiet moments when no one else is in the shop. And he sings because it makes him feel whole. Uh, Mr. Tanner, it's a great song. Obviously, you enjoyed it then, but... Perhaps now, looking back, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you've got an even greater appreciation for 
not only the lyrics, but the whole context. Yeah, and the way he played with the band. Mm -hmm. if, if you watch his concerts, there's a real easy give and take and flow. There's no egocentric. Yeah, and there's a sense of an arrangement, but mm -hmm. there's also a sense that people could move out of that if they wanted to, and right. it wouldn't phase him in the least. Mm -hmm. He would just go with it. Just a wonderful presence. Flexible, fluid. Yeah, fluid, yeah. flexible, and just a brilliant spirit. Right, and it also kind of harkens back. It was just a different music era, even the way we engaged. It was energetic, it was upbeat, but, but there was also that more intimate kind of uh, feel. Less spectacle. Mm -hmm. More music. Well, I mean, you could draw Dylan to the front on right. that. Because, I mean, in a way, his songs were very personal mm -hmm. and intimate. You just got the feeling like he was singing to a dozen people in a, right. in a small club, even on his biggest records, really. Mm -hmm. And that was the point of it. Folk singing, folk rock, right. was a very human, person-to-person I'm sharing my story with you. Yeah. It wasn't ballads about I love you, I love you, mm -hmm. my heart's broken. It was this happened to me, it could happen to you. Right. Here's the story. And this is what Chapin did brilliantly. Great storyteller. Brilliantly. And there are also young people being turned on to Harry Chapin who weren't alive when he was around. Mm -hmm. He has millions and millions of people out there who absolutely love him and his music and were devastated like we all were when he passed away at such a young age. Mm -hmm. But he was a transcendent human being singing a transcendent tune. Absolutely. Called Sniper. Beautiful, Harry. Ciao, Piero. Ciao. The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production, available at thesillpodcast.com. <laughs>